What up, Ring Crew, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode, we will be going over a lot, a lot, and that's not an exaggeration, a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We are going to start with New Japan Strong. After New Japan Strong, we're going to head right into Castle Attack Night 1 and Castle Attack Night 2. Both Castle Attack shows were very well done, a lot of good wrestling, a lot of good storytelling, a lot of stories that set up for the next upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling event, which will be the New Japan Cup, or as we are going to call it on this podcast exclusively and not stray away from it, the New Japan Cup. And I'll get to that podcast episode about the Japan Cup, according to Jay White. Other than that, New Japan Strong and both nights of Castle Attack definitely delivered. And like I said, we have a lot of wrestling to cover. This is only the beginning. But first, let me welcome any new listeners to the podcast. The Square Circle Podcast is dedicated to reviewing wrestling shows, which include New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, and just wrestling in general, if I have to talk about it in a general sense. You'll find out that I will break down matches on the card, give you the good, bad, the ugly, and also explain why certain moves were done and the psychology behind it. And then the overall breakdown of the story so you can understand where these two wrestlers or even factions and stables, where they're going in their current storylines. I love doing all of that. And again, if you guys here are new... Make sure to follow the podcast on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast or even on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also now on YouTube. Guys, help me get to 100 subscribers on YouTube. Just search in square circle podcast. Make sure to drop me a subscription. Hit that notification button. Leave some comments. Leave some likes. You know, just show me some love on that side. And if you guys are on Twitter, follow me at Marie underscore shadows for some great wrestling talks. And if you want me on your podcast to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, all you have to do is just ask me. So if you want to get in touch, Twitter is probably the best way to get in touch. If not, email me at squaredcirclepodcast at outlook.com. Or you could just message me on Twitter. Either one works. So with that being said, I usually have some housekeeping notes. I'm going to wait to the very end of this podcast to throw out some more stuff to you guys if you make it to the end of the podcast thank you so much but let's just jump right into new japan strong so when it comes to new japan strong i am really new to new japan strong i understand what it's for i get it it is for the young lions to showcase their talents and anyone else that gets booked for New Japan Strong. It brings a wider audience to not only the Japanese fans, but also to the American fans when they watch it. And I do like the concept behind it, you know, giving people a chance to show off their wrestling abilities and their wrestling skills. However, this one New Japan Strong in particular was definitely the very interesting one out of probably all the New Japan Strongs, and I could definitely be wrong on that, but everybody was talking about New Japan Strong because it had Kenta versus Moxley. Kenta won the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship briefcase that he held for a year, 
and John Moxley is the current champion, the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is the first time to capture that title twice. And so finally, in the year of 2021, we actually get the matchup that we've all been waiting for, Kenta versus Moxley. And when it came to this match, to watch it on New Japan Strong, it was really under delivered we had so much hype behind it there could have been so much extra story behind it there was missed opportunities there's always going to be missed opportunities and i understand there's not enough time in the day and whatever happens you know you don't get the opportunity to make more little vignettes and videos and trash talking and stuff like that so i get it that we can't utilize the time perfectly but I'm not asking for a perfect storyline I still want a nitty-gritty storyline where I can get hyped and I was hyped I was really on Kenta's side and saying that Kenta's gonna take the title off of Moxley and Kenta's gonna go back home to Japan back home to the Bullet Club as the new IWGP heavyweight champion and I was totally wrong and watching this match unfold it felt completely off completely off kenta came in with a lot of momentum kenta came in with a lot of hits and was taking john moxley to the limit he even did a ddt to john moxley on the briefcase and then an elbow drop through the table while moxley was on the table and moxley absorbed all this punishment and then all of a sudden freaking moxley retains the title it made no sense it probably made sense because if they kept the belt on Moxley. That means that most likely at Revolution, it might be put on the line if both parties agree, but it's a little too short on notice to have that title on the line and they would have did it beforehand. And let me just throw this theory out there, guys, because I know you guys like my theories, even if you guys don't comment about it. But this theory, make sure you guys comment. Do you guys remember when Kenny Omega won the AEW championship title? That was December 2nd, 2020. And during his title reign from then to now, he had once mentioned that he wants to be a belt collector, that he wants to go all over the world and collect belts. And that's what he's going to do. That's his purpose, because he wants to reclaim that he is the best in the world. He wants to reclaim that he is definitely the best bout machine. Now, I'm not going to dispute Kenny Omega on him being the best bout machine because he still is. It's just that I'm tired of him trying to be a former shell of himself as a comedy act and not the Kenny Omega that we all love and we all know that we want. Anyway, so for some reason, that whole idea kind of stopped about him being a belt collector because at this time, he's also the AAA champion as well and he has yet to defend that again. So imagine if... Everybody knows that John Moxley was the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. And ever since New Japan Pro Wrestling switched management, so that way we could have this quote-unquote forbidden door that Tony Khan loves to take credit for, for happening, this partnership that's going on where New Japan Pro Wrestlers are able to come over to the States and just be on other wrestling shows, which is great for business on both size of the spectrum so now that new japan pro wrestling has new management why didn't kenny omega try to reach out and 
ask them permission in order to fight John Moxie for his title to set that up. Imagine if we got a Kenny Omega versus John Moxie in another wrestling match, not no exploding barbed wire death match that we don't need a revolution. And we had a regular match. The Japanese title was on the line. And Kenny Omega beats John Moxley for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. That means that Kenny Omega will have three belts under his reign as champion. And it will go back to the conversation of him being the best belt machine. Him being the best in the world. And just imagine right after that. His so-called brother Kenta would definitely come out from the shadows and attack Kenny Omega and issue him the challenge because he is now the rightful challenger to that championship because he is the briefcase holder. So he could challenge Kenny at any time he wanted to rather than at Moxley because in my universe and in my theory, Moxley lost it to Kenny Omega. In my opinion, that would have drawn more eyes to the product And that would have been a really good match between Kenta and Kenny Omega. Not to disrespect or take anything away from John Moxley. John Moxley can definitely go in the ring. He can adapt to any style. And depending on how he feels that day, he can cut a good promo. In my opinion, John Moxley is a hit or miss for me. And I just don't understand the hype around him. I get that he's great in the ring like i said he can adapt in the ring at any time he wants to sometimes his promos gets the best of him because he's so filled with childlike amazement of the business still and you know we're all fans i get it we're all fans but when those cameras are on and you have that microphone i'm all for wrestlers being transparent being who they are and not masking behind anything but sometimes you got to play that character and you got to stay in character and either be serious or be comedic or be something or latch on to something that you want to portray to the people at home i just can't take anything he does when he gets so giddy as yeah i want to cheer for him And that might be kind of weird because I get giddy too about this business and I get giddy about talking about wrestling. And I usually have the biggest smile when I talk about wrestling. But I know that at the end of the day, I need to stay at least professional to get through because I won't even make it through with all my fangirling when I use this podcast to talk about professional wrestling. So I think that's why he's a hit or miss for me because it's sort of like looking at myself in the mirror. And and understanding his happiness and where it comes from and why he loves to do what he does. And sometimes it's like, dude, you got to turn that shit off and just be professional and go out there and make me believe why I should be cheering for you, why I should be empathetic towards you whenever Kenny Omega does something that's a slight underhand, that's not sportsmanlike or gentlemanlike, you know, I don't have that with John Moxley the same way that I, you know, can have that feeling with the other wrestlers that I talk about my podcast with. And I didn't mean to like really go into a different direction from my theory, but I just hope that when people listen to this, 
that they understand why I can't get behind Dean Ambrose and or John Moxley. It was the same way when he was in WWE. I couldn't get behind him at all. Zero. And then when he comes in with the original John Moxley persona, I still can't get behind him. I'll give him respect where it's due. But other than that, I really just can't get behind John Moxley. So I don't want people to take this as me bashing him or anything like that. That's just how I look at the situation. Not every wrestler is going to be my favorite. But at least I give the wrestling business as a whole respect because these men and women who put their bodies on the line for our entertainment and everyone else that works in the back so hard doing all the behind the scene details to make sure that these shows run smoothly during the difficult times that we're in. I give them all the credit in the world and I give them all the respect in the world. So we may not agree on me not liking John Moxie as much as you do, which is totally fine. But just remember that I still give respect to this business when and always. So back to the theory. I honestly think that it would have made people tune in a lot more to see Kenta versus Kenny Omega. There will be a lot more story to go on between Kenta and Omega rather than Kenta and Moxley, just because Kenta is now part of the Bullet Club and Kenny Omega was once the leader of the Bullet Club. So there's some story to play off there. The trash talking would have been done mainly by Don Callis. And then we'll have some more trash talking from maybe the Good Brothers would have had a little bit of a tease to come to New Japan Strong just because they're going to have the back of Kenny Omega the same way that Kenta could have grabbed some boys from Bullet Club or maybe just some of the guys from New Japan Strong because Kenta is a huge name. It doesn't matter who's out there with him. Anybody will be glad to be at his side and probably help him out. But Kenta probably wouldn't do that. I would have not missed the opportunity to had a sit down interview with Kenta when he showed up on Dynamite when he attacked John Moxley to get this whole thing in motion. Now we're going back to present time rather than my theory. That was my theory of Imagine if Kenny Omega had the IWGP United States Championship title and Kenta challenged him instead of Moxley. So back to present time. I honestly do think that AEW missed the opportunity to interview Kenta. This is the first time that Kenta decided to step on AEW soil of all companies, you know, of all companies. So it kind of shook the wrestling world again. So why not capitalize on interviewing him and making sure that he's not there to completely stay, that he just wants John Moxley and that's it. Because if this partnership keeps going, Kenta could probably enter in one of the battle royals that AEW can have. So you'd rather interview him at that moment when he attacked John Moxley to get his intentions. And the best way of knowing someone's intentions is by talking to them, interviewing them, making sure that this wrestler that stepped onto your soil, your company, isn't going to be there to try to take out the top guy and injure your cash cow that people want to tune in and see. People want to buy the pay-per-view and see this guy. Like, I would have used either Alex Marvez or JR to 
sit down with Kenta or try to catch up with Kenta and ask him the really hard pressing questions so you can get an idea for where his mind is at. Is he just coming to AEW just to challenge Moxley for that championship title? Or does he have other plans after he faces Moxley, whether he wins or loses, to stay at arm's length, but come in whenever he feels like it to attack somebody else in AEW to make his mark because he's part of Bullet Club. And Bullet Club always has some type of trick up their sleeve so if their guys are out in the wrestling world, you best believe you better ask those questions and make sure that you're not going to get a surprise bullet club attack on your top guys. Because then you're not really defending your company and defending your territory. So that way you can be ready for those type of ambushes. Like if NWO didn't teach us anything, then, you know. You might want to watch some WCW stuff. Regardless, John Moxley versus Kenta for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship was so underwhelming. All the hype was there. We had a lot more trash talking from John Moxley than we did from Kenta. And I just think that was wrong. It did feel one-sided. The match felt one-sided. And I really do think that Kenta should have won and took the belt back home to Bullet Club. To me, it wasn't the match that presented itself how it should have been. It was way too overhyped. My expectations were definitely high. And then for Kenta to do all of this offense, only until John Moxie comes in with that DDT called the Death Rider and puts out Kenta 1-2-3. I honestly didn't like it. Did not like it at all. Also, spoiler, yes, I do know that New Japan Strong is taped in advance. And I know that this is what they did at the time and this is what they had to work with. But I think there goes a miss opportunity that it would have been great if it was live and they had more to do than just give us this bare minimum of a New Japan match. Because it really did feel like the bare minimum. It felt like Kenta did all the work. Moxie got some stuff in. But Kenta's strong style coming in from every direction just couldn't take out Moxley. Really? When Moxley has been wrestling in 2020 and then 2021. And now focusing on Kenny Omega and this exploding barbed wire death match. And none of that is in his psyche none of that creeps in and none of that has him tripping up in the match against kenta when kenta had a full-on ride vacation and he comes into aew taking out a former champion because moxley came out to new japan strong to take out everyone in that match including kenta and telling kenta now we can challenge for this championship title i just want things to make sense in terms of character development and character story, as much as you want to be the tough guy, sometimes if you're dealing with other problems on your home base show AEW, you are not always going to have a straight thought pattern when you're facing a guy like Kenta that can definitely take you out at a moment's notice. For those of you that have yet to watch this 
Kenta versus Moxley match for the championship title, you guys can definitely do so by heading over to njpwworld.com and sign up for a subscription. It's only $9.99 a month and it is better than a WWE network. And guess what? You have me, Marie Shadows, to break down the matches of New Japan Pro Wrestling and try my best to have you understand the stories and the history behind certain matches, certain wrestlers, certain tournaments. I have it all for you. So if you have not seen the match, here is my breakdown of the match. But you guys should definitely get the subscription and go support New Japan Pro Wrestling. Both men start out with forearms. Both men start out with forearms. Then Kenta comes in with a boot. Mox comes in with a tackle. There's chops to Kenta by Moxie in the corner. Then Moxie does a sliding lariat to Kenta. Kenta kicks out at two when Moxley goes for the cover. And then Kenta and Moxley start fighting on the outside. There's a suplex on the floor. Kenta does that to Moxley. Kenta then gets the briefcase and does the DDT to Moxley on that briefcase. Kenta rolls Moxley back into the ring. Moxley kicks out at two. Kenta comes in with a kick to Moxley's back. Kenta starts doing his patented kicks to Moxley. Kenta then using his boot to choke Moxley into the ropes. A neck breaker by Kenta on Moxley. Moxley kicks out at two when Kenta goes for the cover. Moxley comes in with strikes until Kenta does a drop toho, bringing him down to the mat and then doing a jumping elbow. Kenta then exposes his knee so he could drop it straight down on Moxley's forehead. And then a small kick to Moxley by Kenta. A lot more kicks to Moxley by Kenta. And... Moxley decides to take all that damage and then when the last kick happens he holds on to Kenta's boot and stands and both of them are now at a vertical base and this allows for a test of forearm strength. A hard elbow by Kenta staggers Mox into the corner. So Kenta got the advantage in that little spot right there. Moxie then runs with a full head of steam and does a suicide dive to Kenta onto the outside and then does a jumping knee off the stage to Kenta. Kenta then hits Moxley with the IWGP United States Championship title and then Moxley is now laying on the table that's set up on the outside. Kenta climbs up to the top rope to do an elbow drop onto Moxley through the table. Kenta manages to get back into the ring and John Moxley gets back into the ring at the count of 19. We have a jumping boot and then a dropkick into the corner to Moxley by Kenta. And Kenta starts stomping on Moxley. Again, Kenta goes for the cover. However, Moxley kicks out at two. Now we start getting into a slapping fest. And then a German suplex, a lariat to Kenta. And then Mox tries to cover Kenta. And Kenta kicks out at two. Moxie comes in with some forearms. Kenta comes in with a submission. Moxie reverses that into a bulldog choke. And Kenta reverses that back into his own submission, which is that crossface where he traps the arm in between his leg and your body. Moxley manages to get to the rope, so there is a rope break. Kenta comes in with a kick to the midsection of Moxley, then a knee shot to Moxley's back. And Moxley comes in with a lariat to Kenta. At this point, Moxley tries for a regular DDT, Goes for the cover on Kenta, but Kenta kicks out at two. And then finally, Moxley comes in with the Death Rider finisher, covers Moxley, gets the one, two, three, and retains the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title. 
So, Ring Crew Army, let's look towards the future since John Moxley retained the championship title. Something that still kind of bugs me, but I'll get over it. So, looking towards the future, this means that John Moxley will probably be working more Japan dates. Who knows? He might end up being in the New Japan Cup. He might end up having more singles matches with New Japan guys or guys over in AEW if they want to take a shot at John Moxley or in Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor Wrestling. You know, the doors are open. Anything can happen. And especially during those backstage comments by Jay White, Jay White dropped Moxley's name and... Now we get a lot more interesting stories coming up in the future. And I really want to be there with all the breakdowns for you guys. And I just really want to cover professional wrestling. That's what I want to do. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, I want to cover it. And maybe this IWGP United States Championship title will be on the line at Revolution. And see what happens if Kenny Omega can take that belt off of John Moxley. Then Kenny Omega can continue that belt collector gimmick that he was really wanting to do. And then it just stopped and sort of dropped. Because if he really wanted to continue that, he probably would have gotten an Impact Wrestling Championship title shot against Rich Swan. All he has to do is just pull some favors and pull some strings. Don Callis is still the EVP of Impact Wrestling, and he would have gladly given Kenny Omega a shot at Rich Swan's title. And then if Kenny would have took the belt off of him, bam, there goes your belt collector. That would have been an interesting story dynamic. But I am not on the inside, and I will not make stupid predictions on this podcast episode, or even in this podcast in general. I will not make stupid predictions and say things that are misinformed. So because I'm not behind the scenes in everything professional wrestling, and I can only speculate on certain things, I don't know why that never happened. I don't know why Don didn't use his executive vice president powers to give Kenny Omega all the gold in the world. Because during those first few months of Kenny Omega being AEW champion, both Kenny and Don were really hard on the interviews and who they interview with and the quotes that they were saying. And it felt really fresh, really interesting. Another chapter, another layer add on to the Kenny Omega saga that he has built since day one with Dom by his side and now it's just a comedic act that could have been the best thing in the world to talk about and so somewhere along the lines in the background of all of that that momentum that could have sparked an amazing conversation with wrestling fans all over the world has suddenly stopped and here we are a comedic act of Kenny Omega and Don Callis and not a Kenny Omega belt collector, best belt machine with Don Callis because Don Callis is the one making all the decisions for his prize fighter as he makes these deals for Kenny Omega to grab every single championship title there is. And, and that would have propelled Kenny Omega to the front of the line when we talk about champions and when champions collect belts because they know they're just that damn good. But again, 
I'm not behind the scenes. I can only speculate that somewhere down the line, like I said, that momentum had drifted off. And this is what we got. The same way that we got the Kenta versus Moxley at New Japan Strong. Somewhere along the way, it just dropped off. And it was like, well, this is the best that we can give you guys. This is the best we can do. I hope you guys like it. Here it is. Here's the product. And if it wasn't so overhyped, then it probably would have been a good match. But because it's overhyped and it was very underwhelming and it didn't deliver to what it should have delivered, then we're going to definitely need a rematch. Kenta should automatically fight for a rematch. Bullet Club should be backing him 100% to get that rematch. And let's create more story from there. Let's have John Moxley be overworked with Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club. And let's just see what we can create. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to stop my rant there. I have a lot of opinions on professional wrestling. I definitely have a lot of opinions about that New Japan Strong match and just everything that went into it. If any of my current new returning day one fans out there listen to this podcast episode, if you do not agree with me, that is totally okay. You guys can leave me a comment on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. You can definitely leave me a comment on the voice message that anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast has. So what you will do, you'll click on voice message, leave me a recorded message. I'll listen to it. I'll play it on the podcast and I'll probably talk about it and give my opinion on your opinion. Let's just see how that goes. You guys can also leave me a comment on the YouTube side. Remember, guys, you have to search Square Circle Podcast because I do not have that unique URL. I do not have 100 subscribers yet. So make sure to drop me a sub, turn on notifications and make sure to like this video when it comes out in video format. It will also be on audio format, of course. And if you want to take it one step further, I am trying to grow a newsletter community that you guys can read my wrestling articles on. Head over to theringcrew.substack.com. I love what I do. I love talking about professional wrestling. I hope you guys get some value out of this. After this podcast comes Castle Attack Night 1 and Castle Attack Night 2. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.